0: You ready to go this morning? Oh, good. I, I, I'm ready to go too. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. That's page 982. If you want to use one of our few Bibles this morning, you can grab the Bible right in front of you and turn to page 982. That's where you will find Philippians chapter 4. We are, we've made it to the end, folks. We've done it. We've made it to the end of this letter uh, to the church at Philippi. And our purpose for going through this series was that Christ would be exalted and that our joy would be secure. We wanted Christ to be elevated and glorified in our minds and in our hearts. And it's only when that happens, it's only when we see him as supremely valuable that our joy will be secure because joy is the sustained gladness of our spirit that's produced by the Holy Spirit as we see Christ as glorious. And so true joy is not something that we can choose directly. We, we can't just flip a switch and choose to be joyful because feelings and emotions don't work that way. We have, we have a God that does not ignore our feelings. He's, he's given us books like the Psalms to, to help us process what we are feeling. We have books like the, the book of Philippians that are intended to give guidance to our emotions. And and joy is one of those emotions. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit that we will experience as we focus our attention on the supreme value of knowing Jesus, which is why we can have joy no matter what we're going through, no matter what our circumstances are, because joy is not dependent on our circumstances. It is dependent on seeing Jesus for who he is. In fact, we've seen in this series that joy is best seen in the darkness. It's when our present circumstances are dark that the light of joy really shines. The most joyful book in all of the Bible, the book of Philippians, was written from the darkness of a prison cell and i'm praying that we would see Christ as so glorious and so valuable that we would believe the truth that when when Christ i missed a slide here oh man there it is when Christ is all you have you have all that you need I, i'm praying that we would believe that the gospel is worth our all that we would work out our salvation with Fear and trembling because our fight against sin is an act of faith that God is working in us. We, we've seen that we are to do all things without grumbling or disputing, even clean the ice off your car if you had to do that this morning, wishing that you had parked it in the garage. We, we've seen that the righteousness we need is the righteousness that only Jesus provides. So Jesus is not just someone that we need to add on to our lives. As believers, Jesus is our life. That We've seen that gaining Jesus is worth losing everything. Paul counted all things lost for the sake of knowing Christ. We saw motivations to keep pressing on. We don't want to be complacent in our walks with Jesus. We, we've seen that Christian unity is found in Christ. And then last week, Pastor John showed us the biblical filter for what we think about. Because gospel thinking leads to gospel Living And so we want to meditate on what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise gospel thinking leads to gospel living and that brings us to our final message in this series in this wonderful book of Philippians. Uh, we've seen a lot of famous verses in our journey through this letter but today. Our passage includes one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible. We've already said it together, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I would say this is one of the most well-known and most misused verses in all of the Bible. I think in many ways it's become synonymous with athletics. This verse. And so you had Evander Holyfield who wore Philippians 413 on his robe when he came out to fight Mike Tyson. I was seven then, not to age you at all. I and the, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me means I can beat up Mike Tyson. Yes, that's what this verse means. And then he did, right? And you're like, yeah, you can do all things. Way to go! And then he lost to Lennox Lewis. Oh no, the Bible's not true anymore. Oh, uh Steph Curry wrote this on his sneakers. Right. During the playoffs, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Tim Tebow had it on his eye black. Right. When he was when he was quarterback, Philippians 413. I can throw the knockout punch. I can hit the game winning three. I can throw the touchdown. Maybe when some of you were in college, this was the verse you tried to claim when you were taking a test you hadn't studied for. (laughs) I can do all things through Christ except study. I'm going to ace this test. I can do all things. If any of you have made Philippians 4.13 your life verse, I'm not going to ruin it for you this morning. I promise. I want you to know that this verse is even better. This verse is even better than we realize. It's even better than being able to throw a knockout punch or hit a game-winning three or pass. It's better than that. And when we see the context, when we see the context around this verse, it takes on a completely different meaning because this passage is about contentment. It's about contentment. Look with me at Philippians 4 and verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced, because that's what he's been doing this whole letter. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Let me stop here real quick and and explain the main reason that Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church was in response to, to them having Epaphroditus deliver a gift to him while he was in prison. And it appears that the Philippian church, they took up a collection for Paul and they had it delivered to him. And we're going to see later in this passage that they had supported Paul in the past And and then there was a time where they were unable to get aid to him, but now they were able to have someone deliver their financial support to him. And this whole letter sort of comes as a thank you in response for the gift that they have given him. And, And the Philippians' concern for Paul's needs leads to him sharing about his contentment because his greatest needs have already been met. Look at verse 11. Need The main point of our text this morning is that we can be content in Christ. We can be content in Christ. And I believe that this is so important for us, especially during this Christmas season, when a lot of people struggle with contentment and struggle with this situation. And I believe that this truth, that we can be content in Christ, should be so encouraging to us because everyone struggles with contentment. Everyone struggles with contentment. We struggle to be satisfied with what we have, with what we do, with what others think of us, with how we are treated. We think if my boss would just stop doing this, or if my kids would just stop whining for one day, if, if my spouse would stop start start helping me with that. And, and we always think that contentment will come in what's next. Right, so when, when you're in middle school, you just can't wait till you get to high school, and then When you get to high school, you just want to get to college, and then... When you get to college, you just want to graduate. And then when you graduate, you realize you should probably go to grad school. (laughs) And then in relationships, right, we just want a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And then we just want to get engaged. And then we just want to get married. And then we just want our spouse to improve in 27 different areas. And then in our careers, we we just want to get a job. and, And then we want to get a better job. And then we want a promotion. And then we want a raise. And then we want more flexible hours. And then we want to... Retire and contentment is that elusive carrot on the stick that we can never quite reach. It's it's always tomorrow's promise, but the perfect tomorrow just never comes. And Paul is saying, I have learned how to be content today. Not tomorrow, not sometime in the future, not when things change. I have learned how to be content today. I've learned the secret to being content right now, no matter what's happening. So Paul doesn't say he has learned to be content after a situation or he has found contentment on the other side of the struggle. No, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am. Right now to be content in the mess, in the middle of losing my job, in the middle of the terrible twos, in the middle of finals week, in the midst of rejection, I have learned to be content today. And that's a truth I hadn't thought about much before. Did you catch what Paul's saying? Paul is saying that contentment is learned He says he's learned this. So so contentment is not not a gift that we wait for and hope to receive. It's not a spiritual gift that some people have and some people don't. It's not a talent that some people are blessed with and others aren't. No, contentment is a trait that we have to learn. And I don't know about you, but I find that pretty encouraging. Because if you are someone who struggles with contentment, And I believe many of us do, we can learn it. We can learn it. We can learn to be content. Paul says, I have learned the secret to contentment, whether facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I love that because Paul is acknowledging, I believe, what most of us feel. Contentment is always hard. Isn't contentment hard? Like No matter what the circumstances are, contentment is hard. In times of need, contentment is hard. When you don't have any money, when ramen is all that you can afford, when, when the, every increase in the price of gas hurts a little bit, when, when you feel all alone, when it, when it feels like no one cares about what you are going through, when it feels like no one understands where you're at. In, in times of need, contentment It's hard. But Paul also says that we have to learn to be content with plenty. Did you notice that? Look at verse 12 again. He says, "I I, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty in hunger, abundance and need. And I think that that is where many... Americans find themselves, we have to learn to be content with a lot. And Paul says that's hard too. Because in America, the more that you have, it means the more opportunities you have to want even more than that. Have you noticed that? All all of a sudden, we, we we need a bigger house. We need a newer car. Maybe one with heated seats for the winter. And then you notice that your friend has one with a heated steering wheel. And I mean... Your hands can't be cold. You you need that too. And and so and I, I I we need a new iPhone. We we need a TV that's as big as our wall, but as thin as a piece of paper. Like that's that's just the way they make them now. Anything else is obsolete. I don't want that. We always want more. We always want what's new. We always want what is next. And I can guarantee you that there are people in this room this morning that that make six figures and you aren't content. It's not enough. You still need more. There's still something missing. And I think I know more people who are content with little than those who are content with a lot. H- have you noticed that too? And, and and we always think that contentment is just out of our grasp. Like like we're right on the brink of finding it. And How often do we say, if I only had this, then I would be happy. Right? If I just had this, then I would be happy. One thing I used to do with students is I asked them to make a list of what they needed in order to be happy. Always fun to see what was on their list. I wonder what you would put on that list. If you just made a list of what do you need in order to be happy? And then I would suggest that we look at what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.8. I'll put this on the screen to you. This is what Paul says. He says, if we have food and clothing, With these, we will be content. And we really wish that Paul's list was a little longer than that, don't we? Like, come on, Paul. Just food and clothing. Are you kidding? What about a house, Paul? Don't you need that? He's like, jail's fine with me. Right? Like, what about freedom? These chains are fine. What about a wife, Paul? I'm single and I'm content. I mean, you just couldn't get this guy. He just was content no matter what. And we have a lot to learn. We have a lot to learn about contentment. But, but here's, here's some good news, I think, for us today. Paul wouldn't have been able to write this when he was 20 years old. I don't believe that Paul would have been able to say this as a new believer. Contentment was a trait Paul learned through experiencing both hunger and plenty, abundance and need. He learned it through the highs and the lows, the mountaintops and the valleys, the busy synagogues and the lonely prison cells. So, so you could say that contentment is learned through experience, but I believe even that is incomplete because there are plenty of people that go through the highs and the lows of life, and they come out the other end bitter and angry and frustrated and unhappy. We all know people like that. Life is just beating them up and spit them out, and they are not content at all with what life has brought them. And so just saying that contentment is learned through experience is not enough. And this is what I believe Paul would say. Contentment is learned by experiencing God in your experiences contentment is learned by experiencing god in your experiences experiencing over and over again that he is the one that satisfies that contentment is found in him paul says i have learned the secret and you say well what is it I want to know the secret too. I want to be content. And I believe the secret to contentment that Paul is talking about here is based on things that he said all throughout the book of Philippians. But one place in particular would be Philippians 3, 7 and 8. If you could just turn one page back in your Bible and look at that. Philippians 3, 7 through 8. What is the secret of contentment? Paul was talking about having it all as a religious leader. And he says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I would say from the book of Philippians that the secret to contentment in every circumstance is believing that Jesus is the ultimate treasure. Believing that Jesus is the ultimate treasure. And, and this can't just be head knowledge. Right? It is experiential knowledge that we need. Going through different seasons of life and learning that Jesus is supremely valuable. That, that He is what satisfies. That, 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 that He is what you need. So when we have times of need, we learn that He is enough. And when we have times when we're lonely, we learn that He is there. When we have times of plenty and blessing, we learn that Jesus is even better than all of the treasure the world has to offer. We learn that contentment is not found in the gifts, but in the giver. Contentment is learned by experiencing God in our experiences. And so maybe, maybe every stage of life Both the good and the bad, the victories and the defeats, the acceptance and the rejection, the abundance and the need. Maybe all of it is designed by God to teach us that Jesus is always better and he's always enough. That Paul's secret to contentment in every circumstance was the belief that Jesus is the ultimate treasure. He's all that I need. We can be content in Christ. And then, to drive that point home, Paul says this in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And all of a sudden, that verse takes on a totally different meaning, doesn't it? because Philippians 4:13 is not about Evander Holyfield defeating Mike Tyson or Steph Curry hitting the 3 or Tim Tebow throwing the touchdown. In fact, it would almost be more accurate to say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me even lose the game and still be content. I cannot get the job and be satisfied in Christ. I can lose my pension And still have my greatest treasure. Paul says, I can be hungry or full, popular or unpopular, rich or poor, respected or disrespected, healthy or sick, appreciated or unappreciated, married or single, free or in chains, allowed to live or killed. I can do all things. Not because I'm special, and not because I'm super spiritual, and not because I'm incredibly gifted, not because I'm especially talented. No, I can do all things because it is Christ who strengthens me. It is His joy. It is His peace. It is His love. He is the one that satisfies. Jesus is the ultimate treasure. Amen, church? The purpose of Philippians 4.13 is not to tell us that we can be rich, but to tell us that we are already rich in Christ. Contentment is not based on what we have. It is based on experiencing the truth that when Christ is what we have, we have all that we need. That is why Paul could say in chapter 1, if people preach the gospel out of a desire to hurt me, I will rejoice because the gospel is being preached. That is why Paul could say, to live is Christ." And to die is gain, Jason Mahorsky suggested to me during the series that perhaps one of the reasons Paul was so joyful in prison was that he thought he might die, and death equaled gain to Paul because death equaled more of christ this is why paul urges us to live a life that shows the supreme worth of the gospel this is why paul urges us to do all things without grumbling or disputing this is why paul counted everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing jesus because jesus is the ultimate treasure and so matt chandler says philippians 4:13 is not about chasing your dreams following your passion, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and accomplishing anything you want with God's help, is instead a testimony. A testimony of those who have Christ and found Him to be supremely valuable, joyous, and satisfying. And I wonder if that is the testimony of anyone here this morning. You've gone through the highs and the lows of life, and your testimony is I can do all things. I can be content in all circumstances through Christ, my treasure, who strengthens me. You have learned the secret. If you have a story like that, Uh, to tell I I would love for you to share that with me find me afterwards send me an email this week I would just love to learn from you how you have experienced that Christ is the ultimate treasure let me know on the communication card I would love to hear about your experience with the treasure that is Jesus now remember we got here because Paul is thanking the church for their gift to him But he wants them to know in verse 11 that he is not in a position of need, which is great because he's in prison. (laughs) So I'm in prison, but nope, I'm not in need. I I have all my essentials because Christ is my one essential. And so he explains how he learned that over time in verses 11 through 13. But then he comes back and says, I really did appreciate your gift, guys. It was really nice. (laughs) Look at verse 14. It's so good. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. And so we're going to see here that contentment is what leads to gratitude. Did you catch the end of verse 15? Did you guys see that? you know that when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. That is really hard for us to believe, isn't it? Like, we think that if... The Apostle Paul was a missionary today. Every church in America would want to support him, wouldn't they? I mean, how awesome would it be to have Paul come for missions weekend? (laughs) Can he please stay at my house? I would like to host the Apostle Paul, please, right? But when Paul left Philippi to continue his missions work, the Philippian church was the only one that continued to support him financially. Paul worked a side job most of his missionary career in order to support himself. But yeah, he wasn't bitter at the churches. He didn't feel entitled to more because he had learned to be content in Christ. And that contentment increased his gratitude for the Philippians. See, I believe that often we aren't thankful for people in our lives because we are expecting them to provide for us what only Jesus can. I think a lot of us aren't thankful for the people in our lives because we're expecting them to provide for us what only Jesus can. And so if you're looking to people and relationships to meet your greatest needs, if you're looking to people to fulfill you and to make you happy, if you're looking to a spouse to satisfy, then you are never going to be content with how you are treated and valued because only Jesus can satisfy you. He's the living water, he's the bread of life. But when you find Jesus, when you experience the satisfaction and fulfillment and peace that comes from knowing and gaining him, then when others are generous and others take time for you and others listen and others are loving, you're even more grateful for the added blessing. Right? Contentment leads to gratitude. So Paul didn't need the Philippians gift but he was so thankful for the support of that church. They valued their partnership with him, and Paul valued them, and he continues to show that gratitude in verse 16. He says, Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You can just sense the joy within Paul as he writes this. And what brings him the most joy is the spiritual fruit that this church is producing. Paul valued and was overjoyed by their spiritual progress that was evidenced by their love for him. Look at verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We see here that contentment is connected to confidence. Look at verse 19 again. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So why was Paul able to be content with a lot or a little when he was full and when he was hungry, when, when he was free or in prison? Because he was confident that God would always give him what he needed. And if we're honest, our definition of the word need is often different from our heavenly fathers, isn't it? We think we've got I really feel like I need this, and I don't know why. I like what is going on here. I mean, this seems like a need to me a lot of times, it's different and just like your kids parents definition of a need is very different from yours isn't it they need this toy for christmas i mean they would just die if they didn't have they need a new phone right they 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 need a boyfriend they need like they need all of these things and and as parents we're trying to teach our kids to trust that we know what's best for them we know what they need and paul had learned to trust that His heavenly Father knew what was best for Him. He knew what He needed. And if we spend our lives fighting to make sure we get everything that we need, we'll never be content. And Paul is encouraging us to trust that God's resources are greater than ours. Our God is a giver and not a taker. He doesn't need anything from us, but he wants to give us what we need. In fact, we celebrate Christmas because the God who supplies all of our needs saw that we needed a savior. God saw that we needed to be rescued from the death grip of sin. And God supplied for our need in the person of Jesus. God Himself came near to us when we were far from Him. Jesus lived the perfect life that we failed to live. He died the death that we deserved to die. He took the just punishment for our sin on the cross. And then He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And so when we needed righteousness... Jesus supplied His own. When we needed a sacrifice for our sin, Jesus supplied Himself as the perfect Lamb. When we needed a warrior king to defeat death, Jesus conquered the grave. And for all who place their faith in the perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You become a part of the family of God. And you can have the confidence that since God supplied your greatest need, He will supply your every need out of the eternal storehouse of His eternal riches. And God's riches are not dependent on real estate increases or stock market gains. Our God's riches are secure in glory. They are eternal Matt Chandler said this, we, we don't want earthly life-size salvation. We want eternal life-size salvation. And that need can only be met in Christ. And if Christ has met our greatest need, then I think we can trust Him to supply for all of our other needs as well. And so maybe you're here this morning and you have never been content. Maybe you Maybe you have... A good job. Maybe you have a good family. You have have so many of the things that people strive for in this life, but there's still something missing. It isn't enough. And I want to tell you that you will never find true contentment and true joy until you find Jesus. Because God loves us too much to let us be satisfied with anything less than Himself. Do we believe that? God loves you too much to let you be satisfied with earthly things when what you need is eternal. He, he wants us to find the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate treasure is Jesus Himself, that Christ is all, that Christ is the one that satisfies. And it's fitting that Paul, out of joy, finishes this letter with a doxology in verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I hope that is the theme of our lives and the theme of our church, that God alone would be glorified, that He would be honored, that He would be praised. That's why our purpose in this series has been that Christ would be exalted and that our joy would be secure. We will never have a joy that supersedes our circumstances until we learn that Christ alone is supremely valuable. We will never be content until we learn the secret that Jesus is the ultimate treasure. And so this morning, I want to end by asking the same question I asked 13 weeks ago when we began this series together. Is your joy... Is your joy secure in Christ? Do you have a gladness in your spirit that is sustained no matter what circumstances come your way? A gladness that isn't based on the highs and the lows of life, but based on the glory of Jesus Christ in your life. Is He your treasure? Is He all that you need? Is He supremely valuable? Is Jesus Beautiful to you. My prayer is that when we look at Jesus, our hearts would cry out, Jesus, you are beautiful. My prayer is that out of the joy supplied by the Holy Spirit, we would join with creation and declare and display the unmatched beauty of our Savior because He alone is the ultimate treasure. Amen, church? Let me pray for us this morning. And give you a chance to respond. God, I'm so thankful this morning that you love us too much to allow us to be satisfied with anything less than yourself. So thank you for seeing us in our time of need and meeting that need through Christmas. Jesus coming to us. And I pray that we wouldn't seek contentment in what the world has to offer, but that we would recognize no matter what our circumstances, that as long as we have Jesus, we have the ultimate treasure. I pray that you would be enough. I pray that you would be what satisfies. I pray that you would bring, be what brings us joy, so we can declare to the world your beauty and your grace and your majesty. We love you. And we're so thankful for what you've done for us. And we pray that we would be content no matter what our circumstances, that we would do all things through you who strengthens us because we have found you to be supremely valuable in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.